there, dreamers. You're listening to Steam Daydream with National Children's Museum. Each month, kids just like you will interview STEAM innovators for answers to their biggest questions. National Children's Museum's mission is to inspire kids to care about and change the world. And we encourage all kids to dream through the lens of STEAM. Hi, dreamers! The team from National Children's Museum is here picking up litter at our local beach to celebrate World Oceans Day, which happens every year on June 8th. When people don't throw things in the trash or recycle, everything can end up in the ocean, where they can hurt animals who might try to eat them and get tangled. Some fishing boats even leave old nets and lines in the water, which end up hurting fish. It's up to us to make sure that we keep our lakes, oceans, beaches, and rivers clean for everyone to enjoy. Just look at my bag. I found water bottles, plastic bags, wrappers from food, and all sorts of trash. Dreamers! Is that a, a submarine coming from out of the water? And it says National Children's Museum across the side. Hey, AJ, how's the beach cleanup going? Paige, when did National Children's Museum get a submarine? This isn't just a submarine, AJ. This is the steam machine. Today, we're using it to dive under the water and help clean pollution from our ocean. Huh. I was wondering why Paige didn't make it to the beach cleanup. What was that? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Do you think you have room for one more in your sub? Sure, hop in. Paige. This is so cool. Look at all the animals. There are so many fish. I can even see a sea turtle. I know. Take a look out of the starboard window. We're just passing a smack of jellyfish. A smack? Yeah, you know how a group of fish is called a school? Well, a group of jellyfish is called a smack. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, that sure is one big smack of jellyfish. <laughs> But what are those behind it? They kind of look like jellyfish, but they have a, a weird shape. That's not a jellyfish at all. That's actually a group of plastic bags. Do you know what a group of plastic bags in the ocean is called? Plastic bags? Pollution. Good thing the steam machine is equipped with arms to grab things like plastic bags and dispose of them properly. Wow, Paige, it's getting a lot darker the deeper we dive under the water. Yeah, the deeper we go, the less sunlight that makes its way from the surface. But we also see different animals as we descend. Oh, look at that! There's a huge octopus hiding in those rocks. 
And that looks like the fish from Finding Nemo. Remember the one Dory follows with the glowing light above its head? <laughs> yeah, I know that one. That's an angler fish. Uh-oh, AJ. I think we just bumped into something. Can you see what it is? It looks like a... a tire. Actually, if you look around, there's a lot of trash down here. Be careful, Paige. It looks like we're coming up on a patch of plastic bottles. Yeah, I see them. And we better stay away from those old fishing nets, too. I definitely think we could use some more help. Can I use your radio to call Climate Action Headquarters? A climate action hero can tell us more about the pollution in our oceans and our changing climate. Sure thing, AJ. In the meantime, I'm going to start picking up this trash to bring to the surface. This is Wire Warrior Ori at Climate Action Headquarters. How can I help you save the world today? Oh, perfect. A water warrior. Hi, Aubrey. Paige and I want to learn more about how to protect the ocean from pollution. Can you get in touch with Sarah Cooley at the Ocean Conservancy to see what she can tell us? Got it. I'm Sarah Cooley. I work for Ocean Conservancy. My name is Aubrey. I'm seven years old and I'm in Virginia. What is the Ocean Conservancy and what do you do there? Ocean Conservancy is a nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C. in the United States. We work to protect the ocean from today's greatest global challenges. So to do that, we create science-based solutions to keep the ocean healthy and to support the wildlife and the people that depend on the ocean. I'm the director of climate science which means I make sure we understand the latest ocean-related climate science and we share that knowledge with our partners. Our ocean is one of the major reasons Earth supports life. If the Earth is like our home, the ocean is like the heating, cooling, and plumbing system that keeps our home livable. Ocean currents move heat from the equator to colder places like Maine and Alaska, and it makes all these places more comfortable to live in. And all this heat movement creates weather that brings rain to the inside of continents too. But also the ocean contains millions of species from microscopic viruses to massive blue whales. These organisms live in all kinds of specialized conditions from below freezing temperatures in the polar oceans to beyond boiling temperatures at hydrothermal vents. Ocean life can exist in these dark and crushing pressures of the deep sea and the bright, sparkling tropical places we often think of when we think about ocean life. So all this biodiversity helps feed billions of people a year, but it also helps protect our coastlines from storm waves and it helps cycle essential chemical elements. How is climate change hurting the ocean and what ocean animals are affected? When we burn fossil fuels to power our vehicles and create electricity, um, this releases carbon dioxide and other waste gases. These gases trap extra heat from the sun, which heats up the whole earth. The ocean absorbs some of the extra heat and some of the waste carbon dioxide. So climate change is hurting the ocean in two ways, by heating it up and by making it more acidic. 
when the carbon dioxide dissolves in seawater. These two changes cause a lot of other harmful changes, like melting sea ice, decreasing ocean mixing that normally stirs up nutrients for ocean plants, marine heat waves that stress coral reefs, and ocean acidification that kills baby oysters and clams. So almost all ocean animals are affected by climate change in some way. They might suffer directly, or the food they eat or the places they live might change. What happens when the ocean temperature gets really warm and melts the ice in the Arctic? Arctic sea ice is already melting. This is really decreasing important habitat for some polar species. For example, harp seals that feed on fish and other animals along the ice edge also use sea ice as a safe habitat for their pups. As the Arctic sea ice melts, harp seals are having a harder time raising their seal pups to be safe and healthy. Also, when the ice melts, the water changes color from a reflective bright white color to a dark blue. This means that the Arctic Ocean can now absorb more solar heat than it could before, which really adds to the ocean heating problem. When glaciers and snow caps melt, though, and the, the types of ice that are on the land, the water runs from the land into the ocean and adds to sea level rise. Sea level rise is causing island nations and coastal communities to have more frequent and severe flooding from storms and even tides. My family is from Australia where we have the Great Barrier Reef. I read that climate change is bleaching the coral. How does that happen? And what does that mean for the reef and marine animals that live there? When seawater gets hot and stays hot for several days or more, it can cause coral bleaching. Stony coral reefs, like the ones that make up the Great Barrier Reef, are actually partnerships between two types of organisms, coral animals and zooxanthellae. Thousands of coral animals live together in a colony, and they build a hard skeleton covered in soft tissue. In that soft tissue, coral cells contain single-celled symbiotic organisms called zooxanthellae. In exchange for this safe place to live, the zooxanthellae capture the sun's energy through photosynthesis, and they share that energy with the coral hosts. Bleaching happens when the coral gets so hot, it kicks out the zooxanthellae as part of its stress response. The coral then loses its color and looks white. Once the coral is bleached, it can recover if the water cools off, but if conditions remain hot, or if acidification or disease or some other pollution happens, the coral will die. Coral bleaching and coral death not only hurts the corals themselves, but also the animals that live around and on the reef. Can we reverse climate change? And what can I do to help protect the ocean and marine life? We can stop climate change, but it's going to take a while. It looks like it'll take decades of hard work to cut our carbon dioxide emissions. It's really essential that we do it, though, and that requires our whole society to move to renewable sources of energy. So even if some of the energy you use comes from solar panels or wind turbines, or if you know someone who has an electric car, the changes we need to make are bigger than that. Those, the changes also need to involve industry and government. So things you can do, first and foremost, you can get loud. 
Some of the most influential leaders calling for climate action today are children and young adults. You can let the people in charge around you know that you're watching their choices and you are asking them and calling for them to make better choices. What advice would you give to me and other kids who are interested in science? Please stay involved and stay curious. When I was a kid, nobody was talking about climate change in the ocean and how to solve it. But now we know what that problem looks like and we're working to develop solutions. But I'm pretty sure that the best solutions haven't been thought of yet. And what's especially exciting about science today is that it's so much more interconnected than it used to be. Uh, People who are working on solving ocean problems are cooperating with people who are figuring out how to create solutions that are fair to all people. And that kind of teamwork is really exciting to me. And I think there's room for every type of thinker in science. I agree. National Children's Museum's mission is to inspire children to care about and change the world. How do you change the world? I'm trying to change the way people think about solving problems related to the ocean and climate. People are starting to realize that scientists are not just old white men in lab coats with wild hair stirring bubbling chemicals. But people don't quite realize yet that solutions to stubborn science problems like climate change are complicated and need more teamwork than those bubbling potions that we think of when we think of science. So I want to share my vision with you and all of the listeners that there's room for us all in solving climate change in a way that's fair to everyone. And I hope this helps inspire you to be part of the solution. Thanks, Aubrey and Sarah, for the helpful information about how humans affect our oceans through pollution and climate change. Paige and I just got done picking up trash from the ocean, and we've got a lot to unload. In the meantime... I have a special interview I want to share. I got a chance to speak with Hillary Burgess from the Marine Debris Program at NOAA, which is short for National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Have a listen. My name is Hillary Burgess. I work for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, our Marine Debris Program. What is marine debris? So our oceans are filled with all kinds of items that don't belong there. Things that were made or processed by humans, including huge amounts of plastics, metals, rubber, paper, cloth, fishing gear, boats, really any kind of other lost or discarded items that enter the marine environment every day. Most of them come from land originally, either intentionally like from littering a candy wrapper, or accidentally, like when a storm knocks over a trash can. And marine debris is actually one of the most widespread pollution problems facing the world's oceans and waterways today. For our listeners who have seen the film Finding Nemo, you probably remember the phrase that all drains lead to the ocean. And it's true. So trash that is not put in a trash can or a recycling bin can be blown by wind or swept away by rainwater into storm drains, which have pipes under the ground that eventually lead to streams and rivers, which then eventually lead to lakes and the ocean. 
And along the way, they can get broken apart and roughed up and exposed to the sunlight, which makes them even more likely to break apart into smaller and smaller pieces. What are some unusual things that become marine debris? So to me, the most surprising things that become marine debris are what we call microplastics. So sources of teeny tiny little bitty pieces of plastic um, that you might not even be able to see with your eye. So we just talked about how larger things like water bottles, straws, and plastic bags can break apart into smaller and smaller pieces. But until just a few years ago, cosmetics like face scrubs and toothpaste had little tiny beads in them that could wash down our drains and eventually into the ocean as well. Other sources of microplastics include things like fabric from our clothing that is constantly shedding particles and car tires just from driving on the road break off little pieces of tire that also become microplastics. How does marine debris impact animals and humans? So marine animals uh, can become entangled or smothered by marine debris and then become injured or even die. Uh, This happens to all kinds of animals, from corals to sea turtles to birds and whales. Animals can also accidentally eat marine debris, which fills their stomachs with all kinds of things that that don't belong there and don't provide nutrition, um, and they can't digest them. What advice would you give to kids if they want to help clean up and prevent marine debris from entering the ocean? The best way to solve the problem of marine debris is to prevent it in the first place. This means reducing, reusing, and recycling the trash that we create. You can do this by refusing things like plastic straws and utensils when you're in a restaurant or by bringing your own shopping bags to the grocery store instead of using disposable ones. Reusable water bottles are a great way to reduce plastic bottle waste. And picking up litter wherever you see it helps ensure that it doesn't become marine debris. If everyone does just these things, it will add up to make a huge difference. You can also spread the word to others in your community. No one can solve the problem alone, but if you tell your family, friends, and other people that live around you, that more and more of us will tackle this important issue. National Children's Museum's mission is to inspire children to care about and change the world. How do you change the world? I lead this project called the Marine Debris Monitoring and Assessment Project, which is citizen science. It's science that can be done with anyone and by anyone. Um, And what we do is we document marine debris on shorelines and clean it up. And by bringing people together, Along with science and action, I hope to help protect the environment that I care about. That's all for this month, Dreamers. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website, nationalchildrensmuseum.org, to find STEAM videos, programs, and resources to keep your curiosity sparked all month long. If you have a question about STEM and dance, we want to hear from you. Click on the link in our show notes to record your question and be sure to begin the recording with your name, age, city, and state. Take care, dreamers. STEAM Daydream with National Children's Museum is generously sponsored by GEICO. 
narrated by AJ Calvert and produced by Aubrey Vaughn, with additional production by Maddie Zampanti of Conceptual Podcasting.